Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. So Father, we thank you again for this wonderful morning. Thank you for your presence amongst your people. What a real privilege it is for us to gather today and know that you are here with us. Indeed, your presence is heaven to us. As we turn to your word now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you bring insight, you bring understanding, you bring revelation that will make us what you want us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Today's message was inspired by a portion of scripture in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. Numbers. I want to just read it out to us. I always struggle to find a title for my messages. So for today's, I have several things going through my mind. One of them is together on a mission. Together on a mission. Another one is creating a culture of evangelism. So whatever comes to you, you can, you can give it your own title. <laughs> but the, the, the verse that inspired this word today is Numbers chapter 10 and verse 29. Numbers 10, 29. One day Moses said to his brother-in-law, At last, we are on our way to the promised land. Come with us, and we will do you good. For the Lord has given wonderful promises to Israel. That is the living Bible. Some version says, come with us, and we will treat you well. Come with us, and we will do you good. That could also be a title, actually. Come with us. Or come with us, and we will do you good. At last, we are on our way to the promised land. The land where God said he will give us. Or the land which God said he will give us. He says, come with us, and we will do you good. For the Lord has given wonderful promises to Israel. To tell the truth, this can take like 10 hours to do an exposition on just this one verse. So I'm trying the Holy Spirit to just give us revelation. It's one of the things that cannot really be, be taught. It's one of the things that have to be caught. It's a work of the Spirit. So I really pray he will help us today to catch what it is that he, he has for us. It's important to know that the Old Testament and the New Testament are actually not that divided, though they are very much separate. They are part of the same story, the big story of God. And we today, members of ACC, Accra Community Church, are a part of an ongoing story. If you don't mind, I'll take this off. I think I'm struggling. We are part of an ongoing story, a story that is about God and his family. It is the story of God. And this story spans from pre-creation, before the world was made, and goes all the way into eternity future. So eternity past to eternity future. 
So pre-creation, before the creation of the world, then the creation of the world, man was made, and then the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, and then God beginning to raise up people like Noah, and then we hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then we hear about Moses, and we hear all these people until we come to John the Baptist, and then Christ comes, and then we enter the New Testament. And this story will continue to eternity, because it's going to end up somewhere. But to summarize this whole story, it will be simply God and his people. God wanting to create a family for himself. That's what it's all about. From the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, it's about God creating a people for himself. And in one word, it is a church. It's a story of the church of God. Hallelujah. God made a promise to them in the Old Testament. He promised to Adam and Eve. He told them one of the mandates he gave them was to be fruitful and to multiply. Then he called Noah after the flood. He made the same promise. He will multiply and fill the earth. Then he called Abraham. Same promise. You will be fruitful, you will multiply, your descendants will be so many, they cannot be counted. Like the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. And the promise went on and on and on. And then Joseph came. And then we know about captivity in Egypt. And Moses was raised. And this that we read here today is about Moses. God raised him after 400 years of bondage and captivity and darkness for God's people. God raised Moses up to bring deliverance to them. And the time had finally come where they were going to move away and enter into the promised land. And this is Moses speaking to his brother-in-law. And he says, listen, my brother. Listen. At last, we are on our way to the promised land. The land that God promised to Abraham. At last, we are on our way to that land. He says, come with us and we will do you good. We will treat you well. For the Lord has given wonderful promises to Israel. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful invitation here from Moses to his brother-in-law. And the truth is, that invitation has been going on since then. And even today, it still goes on. Recently on Sweeter Danani, we went through the book of Hebrews. And the whole of the book of Hebrews, right from chapter 1 to the last chapter, which I believe is chapter 13, the whole book of Hebrews was just trying to make one point. And the point is this. That the old covenant, the old promises that God made through Moses, he says they are nothing. They are nothing compared to the new promise in the New Testament in Christ Jesus. That's what that whole book is about. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go read Hebrews. Or go back to, to Clubhouse, Twitter, and Ernie, and listen to the replays. Amazing truths came out as we studied the book of Hebrews. It just made us realize that all of the Old Testament, honestly, was almost useless. It had its purpose. Its purpose was never to really bring the people to the promises God had given them in the Old Covenant. So all these promises to Abraham, to Moses, and to all these guys, listen, they were not fulfilled. Because Hebrews makes us understand that the promised land was not a physical land. 
Otherwise, Moses didn't even enter into it. It means he missed out. Abraham never entered into it. He never saw his descendants before he died. So we are told that all of the Old Testament is a shadow of what was to come in the New Testament. Hallelujah. And yet, Moses was fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission and this invitation. Because we see here his love for his brother-in-law. God has promised us some really good and amazing things. We don't want to leave you out of it. So he says, come, come with us and we will do you good. Come with us and your life will be transformed. Come with us and we will treat you well. This was the old covenant. This was the old promise. This was the physical Canaan. And yet see Moses' passion and his love. He wasn't going to enjoy it alone. He believed in the promises of God. That it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. It would be a land where they would know the presence of God. Where they would worship God. Where they would serve God. And he didn't want his brother-in-law to be left out of that. Are you catching the spirit of Moses here? The Lord has promised us good things. So come with us and we will treat you well. We will do you good. Come and enjoy it with us. So if Moses in the old covenant, which Hebrews tells us is nothing compared to the new, could do this, the question is, what about us? What about us? You know, these guys in the Old Testament, they were passionate. They did amazing things. But it was all comedies, as we say it in Ghana. It was all like, you know, rehearsals. It was just a shadow. It wasn't the reality. But we discover that we have come into the reality. And we need to understand who we are as a church of God. We need to understand this. Hebrews chapter 1, the first few verses, if I verse 1, it says that in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets and, you know, in many ways, in various times. But now, he has spoken to us in his son. And he goes on to say, who is the heir of all things? You know, the promises God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, the promises he made to Moses and the people of Israel was that they'll be the heir of all things. They'll inherit the earth. They'll, they'll dominate. They'll have dominion. Right from Adam, that's always been the promise of God. But now Hebrews tells us that Christ is the one who has now inherited all things. Hallelujah. So the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament are in Christ Jesus, which we find explicitly said in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. He says all the promises are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. I think it's very well known as all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Listen, Christ is the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament spoke about. They hadn't seen anything yet. They didn't experience the promises of God. They received it by faith, but they never entered into it. So it's only in Christ Jesus that we inherit or we enter into the promised land. I really pray that the Holy Spirit open our eyes and give us revelation of these truths today. To know who we are as a church of God. To understand that the church of God is a true Israel. 
and that all the promises in the Old Testament were meant for us. And we are those who have entered into them. And so we find in Hebrews 11, verse 39 and 40, I want to read that to us. Hebrews 11. There's something there that we all like reading, the heroes of faith, you know. But there's something about it that struck me. So it starts with, you know, all the great things they did. The great, great heroes of faith. We speak about Abraham. We speak about uh, Moses. And we speak about Joseph and Isaac and, and Jacob. All the great things they did. By faith they did this. By faith they did that. Then it goes on to talk about how there's no time to talk about others. Like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. It says, by faith these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death. It goes on and on and on. Women got their children back. It says amazing things that they did. But listen to verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. Then look at verse 40. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Hallelujah. It was only in the New Testament... Only with the coming of Christ and together with us that they were able to enter into the fullness of the promises of God. So all these giants and heroes of the faith we read about, according to the New Testament, listen, you sitting here if you are in Christ, you are better off than they are. You are in a better place than them. And they only entered their promises through you because the promise was the church. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham was looking forward to a city not built by human hands. A city with foundations whose architect and builder is God himself. He was looking forward to the church of God. They were waiting for us. By faith they saw Christ and they saw the body of Christ. They saw the church by faith. But experientially they didn't get into it. The Bible says that even the angels long to look into these things, the mystery of the church. They can't understand it. How God can so much bless human beings and make them his own. Brothers and sisters, we have inherited great and mighty promises. Hallelujah. Better than what God promised Moses. That he was inviting his brother-in-law to come into. We have been given a better inheritance. Amen. But that's not all. We get into Hebrews 12, and then we see what I was reading out today. In fact, the whole of Hebrews is a comparison between the old covenant and the new one. And so we are told in the early chapters that Christ is a higher person than all the Old Testament prophets, higher than Moses. In fact, Hebrews tells us that the relationship between Christ and Moses is the relationship between a creator and a creation. Because Jesus created Moses. So Hebrews wants us to understand that the whole of the Old Testament is nothing compared to the new. He says, Jesus is higher than Moses. 
Then he goes on to tell us that Jesus has a superior priesthood compared to Aaron and all those people and Abraham. He mentions all their names and he says Jesus is higher than them. He's a higher person. He's got a higher priesthood. And he says that he made a better sacrifice, a more superior sacrifice. Because the priests of the Old Testament would take blood of goats and bulls and make sacrifices year after year, which could not cleanse the sins of the people. It was just a reminder of their sins. But Jesus, once and for all, took his own blood. And he went into the Holy of Holies, not the earthly tabernacle. He went into the heavenly tabernacle to go and make atonement for our sins. And so Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. Jesus is the real thing. Jesus has a, a higher person, is a higher priesthood, and he made a better sacrifice. More than that, he goes on to tell us that because of all these things that he has done, he has brought us to a better place. Hallelujah. A better community, which is what I read out to us during the worship time today. We have not come to a mountain, you know, like Moses brought the people to. We have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Are you seeing the disparities? See Moses' excitement about the earthly one, about the shadow. Come with us. Come with us. And we will do you good. Because the Lord has promised us good things. And that was nothing. That was the shadow. We have come into the reality, hallelujah. We are entering the real promises of God. The people of God, the kingdom of God, we are the reality. Not only has he brought us to a better community, which is a spiritual one. He says that when we gather together like this, we are the children of God, we are not just mere humans. We have come to assembly of angels, of spirits, so when you enter the next chapter, it says that therefore, because there's such a large cloud of witnesses, it says that they are all alive watching us. Because in Christ, they have also inherited the promise now. He says we are spiritual people. We are God's spiritual house. We are, we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We've been called out from the world, picked out, to display his splendor and his glory. That's who we are. The church of God. We are an amazing company of people. I just pray God to open our eyes to see who we are. To see what the church is. The church is the goal of history. From pre-creation to creation, all through the Old Testament times to now, the summary of all of the story of God is the church of God. Raising a people for himself who will be called his own. Peter tells us that we've been partakers of the divine nature. The Old Testament guys never had that. They never had that. Because they were not of the new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. They longed for these times, but they never had it. We have entered into the promise of the new creation. Hallelujah. We are a special people, a peculiar people. We are God's people. We have entered into God's presence. Hallelujah. That's who we are. That's the church of God. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 21, 20, we are told that we have all things. We have inherited all the promises of God because we are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. That's what the Bible says. 
So all the things that were promised to, to Abraham and to Moses and to the Israelites in the Old Testament, it is we who have inherited them because they are all in Christ Jesus. Whoa, what a blessing. What a privilege to be called the sons of God, to be a part of the new creation. No wonder Jesus told his disciples that I tell you the truth of all the people born in this world. He says, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Did you read that in the scriptures? None. So Adam, Abraham, Noah, Moses, Samson, all these great guys we read about in the Old Testament. He says that none of them is up to John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. But then Jesus went on to say this. He says, but I tell you, the least of you in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. There's a mystery there. There is something hidden inside there. Because John the Baptist was not part of the new creation. John the Baptist died before Jesus finished work on the cross. He didn't enter into the church of God. So Jesus says that you and I, who have heard the gospel and who have believed, who have become new creation, he says you are greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is greater than Moses. And he's greater than Abraham. Greater than all the people in the Old Testament. Because those people didn't enter into the promises. But we have entered into it. The promised land is Christ Jesus himself. If you are in Christ, you have entered the promised land. It's a reality now, but we also know that there's a kingdom that is to come. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God is coming. Because we know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. And we know all of us who are in Christ are going to be part of the new creation and the new heaven and the new earth. So we long for that promise as well. So our reality is not just life here on earth. This story is an eternal story. It continues to eternity. And so we know that whilst we are here, we have all things in Christ Jesus. But we also know that when we die, at the end of all things, hallelujah, there's a promise awaiting us. The pure golden kingdom of God. The heavenly Jerusalem, which Revelation tells us is going to come from heaven. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we have better promises than Moses had. Do we appreciate what we have? And do we love our neighbors? Do we love people? Moses appreciated what he had, though it was nothing compared to what we have. And he had enough love to tell his brother-in-law, come with us. Come with us. We love you too much to enjoy this alone. Come with us. We are about to enter into the land that God promised us. Come with us and we will do you good. Because God has given us great promises. What has God given us? What promises has he given us? Are we going to enter alone? That would be selfish. Like the four lepers, we cannot eat all alone. No. We must go and tell the people out there. We must let them know. There's a party. The famine is over. The darkness is over. The light has come. Hallelujah. We need to tell people 
But if we don't feel that we have come out of the darkness ourselves, like NK was bringing us last week, then we're not going to think that we have anything to offer people. That's why we must realize ourselves what we have first of all. And then we can invite people in. Romans 8.17 says pretty much the same thing. So what are we supposed to do? As we round up, what are we supposed to do? I think first of all, we have to catch the vision. The true picture of the church. And the power that God has given us. To not only change and transform our own lives, but to change the earth forever. Hallelujah. And what happens when we catch this vision? Our hearts are filled with joy because we are heirs of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 1 to 2 talks about the joy and the peace and the love that we get when we come into Christ Jesus. We are filled with hope because we know no matter what happens in this world, there are great and mighty promises that we have entered in Christ Jesus that we will enjoy for all eternity. So our hearts are filled with hope. Economy up, economy down, it doesn't matter. The new covenant is not about milk and honey at all. It's not about a physical land. It's about spiritual things. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And it's about eternal things. Hallelujah. So we are filled with eternal hope. A living hope, Peter calls it. And we are filled with peace. We are filled with peace. Because we have the promises of God. We know no matter how things shake, God is with us. Amazing promises God has given us in Christ Jesus. And that should make us share this with people we love. We want to share the good news. These great promises of God. As we enjoy them here on earth, let us not be selfish. How would it look like if we are enjoying it and spreading it? And I want to cast a vision to us. I want you to, to take this in your heart and run with it. Catch, catch this. Just see a picture of what ACC will look like when this is happening amongst us. And begin to understand that already we are, we are enjoying it at a measure. But God has more for us. How would it look like? We would see a vibrant, joyful, hopeful community. Vibrant and active. Not dull and dead, no. Vibrant, energetic, but also joyful because of what God has said before us. Because we know our identity in Christ. And because we know what we're going to enter into in eternity. We are a hopeful community. We are a joyful community. But we're also going to be a community that is actively spreading the good news. And inviting people to come into the party. We'll be those who are saying to people, come with us. Our friends. Our classmates. Our WhatsApp platforms. Last night as I prepared this, I actually spread it on my platforms. I was so excited. Come with us. So I sent an invite out. Come join us for church this morning. You know, when, when this truth is boiling in your heart, you can't keep it to yourself. You want others to come and enjoy as well. So come with us and we will do you good. God has promised us great things. We are heirs of God. Can you see the future of ACC? We're not going to be this way forever. This is just the beginning. God has great plans for us. A vibrant, joyful, hopeful community that is actively spreading the good news, bringing people in. Every week we begin to realize that there are lots of first-time visitors because we are telling people, come, come with us. We are inviting them in. 
So weekly, weekly, we'll see more people coming in. Not only that, we will see them giving their life to Christ. And indeed, I promise you, a time is coming soon where we will not have to invite them. We'll see Micah chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 2 being fulfilled, where they'll be chasing us. Because the mountain of the Lord's house has become the highest among all the mountains. And all the people are streaming into it. And they are watching our lives. At work, they are seeing how your life has transformed. They are seeing how you are managing your family. They watch your marriage. And they are like, whoa, there's something different here. There's something special here. Then now they will say, I want to come with you. Hallelujah. This is the plan of God. This is the mandate of the church. Come with us. But also there will be those who say, please allow us to come with you. You have something that we need. You have something that we want. We will not be left out of the party. And then we said the church will begin to grow mightily and powerfully. And then we begin to realize that on a monthly basis, I'm casting a picture for you to see what's ahead of us. On a monthly basis, we're going to see that we're doing baptisms in water constantly. Because as the people come in, they are being led to Christ. They are getting born again. They are becoming new creation as well. And we will baptize them. Get ready for that. We're going to baptize them in water. We're going to disciple them. There will be several discipleship classes going on. Some in a group, some Sundays, some during the week, but some one-on-one. -on -one. I saw a discipleship course, the first one printed there. If you are, please, can you leave that book up for people to see? So the courses are there already. Very soon, all of you have to carry some of these books. Break time in your office. Someone you led to Christ in the office, you start taking them through it. A first semester has come in, the one who get discipled, oh, Jifa, you live here. This guy lives close by you. Can you take them through it? It's going to be a church that's so vibrant. People are getting saved. They are getting baptized. They are getting added on. They are getting discipled. And they are being raised to become leaders. Because listen, as the good news goes out, as the gospel goes out and lives are being transformed, there are going to be so many people coming in that we will have to have lots of cell groups across the city and across the nation. And it is you and I who's going to lead those groups. So you're going to be training leaders as well. You're going to be training leaders. And eventually what you realize is that people are going to start moving out to Koforidia and to Takradi and to Tamale and to Uganda and to Congo and to Switzerland. And very soon, you're going to start planting churches around. It's the natural progression of the church of God. Because the church is a living organism. It's not going to be planned. It's just going to happen because lives are being transformed. People are being real about the kingdom of God. They are carrying it inside of them and carrying it wherever they go. This is the church of God. Can you, can you catch the vision? Brothers and sisters, there's work for us to do. There's work for us to do. And that brings us to, to the priesthood of all believers. He gave some to be apostles and to prophets and to evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the church for works of service. NK cannot do it all alone. The pastoral team cannot do it all alone. It's going to be you and you and you and you doing all these works. We're going to be doing the evangelism. We're going to be doing the teaching. We're going to be doing the pastoring. This week, I had the privilege of going with NK to do some visitations. We said a couple of church members. It was amazing. But we both have jobs. We can't do that every day. It's going to be you and you and you visiting one another. Visiting the new people who come. Helping them to get grounded. Praying for them. This is the church of God. This is what we are called to do. We are not a stagnant people. We are vibrant people on the move. 
We are on a mission together to transform the world for Jesus. And our message is simple. We are entering into the land that God promised us. We are entering into the beautiful, amazing, promised land of God. We are going to Zion. Come with us. Come with us. Won't you come with us? And we will do you good. Your life will be transformed. Because God has given us great promises. Hallelujah. I hope I've succeeded in this short time to, to cast a vision and paint a picture of what God intends the church to be. We are not meant to be stagnant and fruitless. We are meant to be multiplying and growing. It's in our DNA. It's in our genetics. We're supposed to grow. And we will grow. ACC will grow. ACC will spread. ACC will reach very far because you and I will rise up to the mandate and do what God has called us to do. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much for Oh, this glorious, glorious, glorious invitation that you gave to us in Christ Jesus. And we thank you that we have responded and we have come and we have tasted and we have seen that you are good. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your church. Oh, your glorious church. Thank you. Thank you, God, that your glory is going to fill all the earth and the waters cover the sea. And it's going to be through your church. Today, Father, we avail ourselves to you. We have spoken these things into the future of ACC because, Lord, it is according to your word. It is your vision for your church. It is the mandate that you have given us to go out and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in water and teaching them to obey, to obey your word and to follow you. Father, as a church, we avail ourselves. We give ourselves to you. Flood us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us a passion for your kingdom and for your church and send us out that we might change the world, that there might be joy in the city, that will be said of us, who are these guys? They are turning the city upside down. They are turning the nation upside down and they will behold and see that we are the followers of Jesus and that they will come and join us as we enjoy your promises together. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.